It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two and the final hour of Green and Growing this morning. Hey, unfortunately, only with you until 8 o'clock this Saturday and next Saturday to make room for the Georgia Bulldogs playing in Columbia, South Carolina today against the Gamecocks. I'm pretty sure they'll pull out a win, but you just never know. So you can listen to all the action right here on 95.5 WSB. And just to kind of continue uh, what I would like to do on my Facebook page, when you search Facebook, Green and Growing WSB, I would love for you to follow me. Um, I made a post of some of the gardens in Northwest Atlanta that I visited with Norm Mitleider, too. Uh, just two in one day. That was all I could do. But uh, took pictures of some really cool maples and let you know in the captions of each photo what maple you're looking at. Well, the the bihu that I mentioned that has the yellow bark is one of those that's pictured. Uh, but what I would like to do is I have the pictures now when the leaves were green last week, and I'd like to go back to those same gardens if Norm would let me and take a picture once the leaves start to change and then kind of show you, ooh, this maple is going to turn yellow or red or whatever and just look really, really stunning. And again, the Arbor Day Foundation um, is going to be a wonderful resource. If you just don't know you know, what tree to plant or you're looking for fall color, that can kind of set you straight. They have a tree wizard uh, where you can kind of go explore different kinds of trees that may be good for the landscape. And the Georgia Forestry Commission, of course, which will have the Leaf Watch update every Saturday in October. Their website is gatrees.org for the Georgia Forestry Commission. 404-872-0750 was literally just getting ready to talk to Harry in Lilburn. Uh, maybe he'll call back. But Harry was asking about a systemic poison, or I suppose a systemic insecticide, whether that's going to help prevent canna lilies from getting those leaf rollers. Uh, the leaf rollers are terrible because you have the canna lilies that are trying so hard to start to come up in early summer, and the leaves are rolled so tight and you think, oh, they're going to be big and they're going to be really pretty, whether they're the green type or the purple leaves. Um, and then when they open and unfurl these large leaves, they'll have like some weird hole pattern all the way around the leaf, almost like someone went to it with a, a hole punch and punched holes. So really that leaf roller bites through the leaf as it's curled up. And then the effect is, you know, now you have multiple holes as it starts to unfurl because he chews through all of the layers. Um, I don't think a systemic insecticide would necessarily be the best option. Um, I think BT, Bacillus thuringiensis, that caterpillar kind of insecticide, that's probably going to be a little bit more targeted uh, for when they're the larvae, you know, when they're the worms and the caterpillars and you actually see them, BT is going to be the best thing. That is good for organic gardening. It's going to be fine. So actually spraying the caterpillar as you see it and they kind of start to die off in two or three days is the best. But another way to prevent those leaf rollers, if that's just making you go crazy with canna lilies, is to remove them. Like once they've started to fade, mine are starting to fall over, but they still look okay. You know, they're about four feet tall. But just removing all of that debris for the winter so that those bugs don't have the opportunity to overwinter on the plant. So I cut them down at the stalk, at the base, and you've really got to have some good loppers because uh, those things can be pretty big around, maybe two or three inches around when you cut the stalk. But just remove all of that debris, and it's not going to allow them to overwinter. So that's my advice, Harry. I wouldn't necessarily use something systemic, meaning you put it at the base, and it's absorbed through the roots and then goes up through the entire plant. I think that's just maybe a bit much. Um, so talking about the website last hour, uh, wsbradio.com slash growing. 
is where you can see blog posts and articles, uh, questions from listeners that I share with you with photographs, and then I'll give the answer to whatever the question is. I try to pick the ones that are kind of trending, right? The the people that have asked multiple times about the same kind of topic, um, but also listening back to the podcast of the show and the events page. And I really thought it would be fun to kind of go through some of these with you because there's a lot coming up. And I heard that commercial in the news block just then for the Duluth Fall Festival. Oh, my gosh, such a good time. The Duluth Fall Festival, it's coming up really soon next weekend in downtown Duluth, Saturday and Sunday. Such a fun day for sure. DuluthFallFestival.org, I believe, is the website to get more details on that. But I will be there Saturday. Uh, you'll see me milling around with Smile and Mark McKay on Saturday. So I'll get out of here at 8 o'clock and pretty much going straight to Duluth. There are going to be uh, road closures just for a couple of hours for their parade that starts things off next Saturday. But then you'll just have free reign of walking the streets and seeing all the vendors. And they've got a huge stage for live entertainment. So I will be at the Duluth Fall Festival. You can reach out to me if you want more details. Um, and something that Walter Reeves shared, which I absolutely loved, was the Inman uh, Farm Heritage Days. And that's going on now. That's this weekend. I believe it started yesterday. Fifth generation family farm in Inman, Georgia. And he has such great memories going there with his family. Uh, Minter's Farm has been around since like the mid-1930s. And it's so fantastic. They have like an antique expo where you can see old tractors and old cars. And that is just something really fun for the family. So who knows? If you uh, hit up Inman Park today or tomorrow, you may see Walter Reeves. And uh, the Deep South District Fall Conference and Rose Show, you should really get in with the uh, the Rose Society here in Atlanta. They do some fun things. And I know Andrew Longoria from the Mark Aram Show is taking his girls to Athens this weekend because it's the 32nd annual Insectival. And it was so cool those folks reached out to us at the State Botanical Gardens over there in Athens. Uh, they have heard Andrew Longo um, on Mark Aram's show, talk about how one of his daughters is just fascinated with bugs, and they reached out, and they said, hey, it'd be really cool if you brought your daughters to our insectival. Uh, so that's going on today, all afternoon at the State Botanical Gardens of Georgia. So some fun things going on around Metro Atlanta. I know you may want to sit at home and watch football or do some cookouts or things like that, but there's no reason you should just be sitting at home bored. There's so much going on. Also stuff at Oakland Cemetery as well, and I'll be hosting um, – a group of donors for the Carathon from the WSB Radio Carathon. We're going to go on a tour of uh, Oakland Cemetery at the end of October. So that is really kind of a cool, fun thing to do. It's not eerie at all, for sure. 404-872-0750. There must be something in the air, DeMarco, because I'm clearing my throat. And Tina was was struggling through the newscast. And O'Neill sounds like he's getting the cold, and I'm starting to feel it. I don't know if it's this building. I'm starting to feel it. So sorry if I'm clearing my throat. So I did want to talk to you about compost because I was already texting with Mickey Gasway this morning. She got her cool season vegetables in the ground. Despite it's going to be hot, just need to really keep them watered. But I was going to wait and do that this coming week. Well, with temperatures in the 90s, I may wait one more week. But I'm going to go get the plants at Pike Nursery. I'm not doing seed. It's a little too late. Um, But I'm going to get the Brussels, the broccoli. I'm going to do garlic myself. I don't know. I'm going to pick something else. Maybe arugula. I haven't decided yet. Um, but putting compost in those beds once you've transitioned them from the summer crops now to thinking about the cool season crops, I think compost is a really good, simple, easy fix for you to really make that soil 
uh, a lot more nutritious for the next round of crops. Because think about what you had in there all summer. You still got your tomato plants. They're hanging on by a thread. May still have some green tomatoes that you'll probably get. Just leave them to ripen. But I've already pulled up like the squash and the cucumber and all that kind of thing because uh, those are just looking bad and they're done. So a lot of those plants have, you know, taken with them the the nutrients from the soil that they were in all summer. So adding compost back. And I got this composter about a year and a half ago and was so religious about using it for a number of months, putting all of the the browns and the greens in there and making sure, you know, it, it didn't really have to be mixed. I know Nicole was talking about hers here on the show in the first hour, she's got just a big bin outside. And that's one that she's going to go have to turn, you know, turn and add moisture to where it stays damp. Almost think about just like a damp sponge is really the moisture level that it needs to maintain. And it's going to need the sunlight to heat up and all of that thing. I think the ideal temperature for keeping a compost pile, it's going to be about 120 130 degrees is what it stays at, which is crazy. So when you see it steaming, now you understand why. Um, but really religious about keeping those materials to make your own compost. And it takes months. It's going to take some patience. But when you think about the brown ingredients where the carbon comes from, dried leaves, uh, twigs or limbs, small, small branches, coffee grounds, that's an easy one. You can get that every single day from home. You can even Take coffee grounds from your coworkers' desks if they give you the permission. Um, shredded paper, newspaper, paper towel rolls, things that you might just typically throw away or throw in the recycling. Use that as your brown material, stuff that's dead. Use that in your compost. Brown paper bags, rip those up, rip those apart. And then you think of green ingredients, things that have been alive, like grass clippings, Plant trimmings. Now, make sure, though, if you're going to use things from your yard, like when I pull up my tomato plants, um, I'm probably going to cut them into sections and throw them in the compost bin, that they're not diseased and they haven't been treated with any chemicals. So lawn clippings, that's the same. If you have a, a lawn care company that comes by and treats the grass, I would not use that in the compost at all. Um, but kitchen scraps, too, when you're cutting an onion, when you're getting the you know, the greenery off of the tops of carrots or salad that maybe went a little bad or something, you didn't get to it in time. Those are all great green ingredients to be putting in the compost bin and also eggshells Um, and crush them up, crush them up in your hand as best you can and add them to those coffee grounds and everything else. This is from Joe Gardner, our friend Joe Lample, his website, joegardner.com. He's got fantastic articles about compost. And this is from him, which I like. He kind of lays out maybe what not to do. And I want to share that with you so you don't make some mistakes. Let's keep it simple if we're starting our own compost. But if you start this now and kind of keep adding to it and adding to it, by March or April, you'll have a decent amount of compost to get ready for the summer garden. So you always got to be thinking a season ahead. So I will share with you what not to add to compost and where you'll be able to find this info later on this afternoon when we return. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. All right, your weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. So today, mostly sunny, highs in the mid-80s. It's cool now, but it's going to warm up for sure. And then tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, sunny skies and highs around 90. 404-872-0750. So 
things that I wondered myself. What not to put in your compost. If you just want to start a nice big bin, make sure it has a lid because it's going to smell awful. Uh, keep it in the kitchen or wherever, kind of out of sight, out of mind, things you want to add to it. But what not to add. So this is all from Joe Gardner. Uh, weeds that are going to seed. So that includes your grass clippings. If your grass is just so tall and a lot of the weeds that you've got in there are starting to seed, you don't want that to sprout in the compost. It's going to take a lot of heat to kill those off. So make sure you don't do that. Like I said, anything diseased. If you're pulling out uh, summer vegetable plants and they had some kind of disease or fungus on them or whatever, you don't want to use that. Animal waste. Uh, Depending on what you read, the UK, they say it's okay to use animal waste in your compost bin. But why? Why why would you? I I wouldn't want to do it. Um, Anything with herbicides, pesticides, like I mentioned, you certainly don't want that because that as well is going to take much more heat than the sun can provide to break those chemicals down. So they're just not a good idea for the compost. I mean, this was interesting because we had chicken wings that we didn't finish, but no bones, no meat, no bones, no grease. There's just no need to do that. It may have pathogens if it's coming from an animal, things you don't know about, but it's also probably going to attract critters if they're going to go in there for chicken wings or something like that. So you probably don't want to do it. It's going to smell awful too. So no meat or bones or dairy or anything like that, but just think brown and green. Do I have a healthy balance? There does not need to be any scientific ratio, a healthy balance of the brown stuff, the dead stuff that's the carbon and the green things that were alive that are going to provide the nitrogen for it. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Coming up in just under 10 minutes, Charles Lampkin from Pike Nursery will join me to talk about fall lawn care, and we'll be talking about pumpkins. It's pumpkin time at Pike Nursery as well, so stay tuned for Charles's tips for your your lawn in a few minutes. But number one right now, installing woody ornamental plants and herbaceous perennials make life easier on you because it's plant at once and forget about it, but easier on the environment too. They're going to be less demanding for water and fertilizer in the off season because the plants shut down. The roots are still growing, but they just don't have those needs. Number two uh, from UGA turf grass specialist and friend Clint Waltz, that if this month and next month are dry, he says you need to keep the lawns watered. Christina Edwards made mention of that in her forecast this week during Atlanta's Morning News, and she was absolutely right. Warm season grasses need that water until they go dormant. And if you're seeding a fescue lawn, that's really going to need to get at least an inch of water per week. And number three, if you're planning to overseed a fescue lawn coming up, that is great. But remember, I'm reminding you to not do that and that granular pre-emergence herbicide because they counteract one another. You really need to evaluate which of the two is going to benefit your lawn the most. So if you're thinking, oh, I've, I've got a pretty lush, healthy lawn, I just got some bare spots, then run with it. Go seed for the fescue. But if you just have more weeds than not, you're going to want to get on track with doing the pre-emergence uh, treatments. Right now, is your window of opportunity is closing for winter weeds. Do it again in February, March, and then you're going to want to do it in April as well. 404-872-0750. Your call is in Pike Nursery next on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 
All right. Started to wrap up things here on Green and Growing to make room for the Georgia Bulldogs pregame and tailgate show coming straight to you at 8 o'clock for the noon kickoff in Columbia, South Carolina. And a good morning to Shelly and Lisa, who just followed me on Facebook. Green and Growing WSB is what you need to search, and you will find the page there. Uh, a lot of things that correspond to the show, you know, content that I talk about on the show. I then put the resources on the Facebook page for you to follow up if it's show notes or links or something like that, or even pictures of things that I'm talking about. Um, it's amazing now to have social media as a medium, you know, back in the day when you did radio and you had absolutely no way to show listeners what you were talking about. Well, now we do. So that's really nice. That includes the uh, Bihu maple and the Ryusin maple that I got to see in a garden going along with Norm Mitleider and a lot of other things as well. So certainly hit up the Facebook page. 404-872-0750. Out to the phones we go because it is time for Pike Nursery. And I've got with me Charles Lampkin, manager of the Holcomb Bridge store. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Good to have you along today, Charles. How are you doing today? I'm all right, and thank you for fitting me in on your short little time window today. You know, thank you for coming on an hour early. You probably had to set the alarm back a little bit, so we appreciate it. And we'll do the same thing next Saturday. I'm off the air at 8 o'clock as well. But, uh, folks, this is kind of cool because they're used to hearing you at 8.30. So now we're getting a whole new set of listeners, likely, uh, that are listening in this hour. So Pike Nursery always comes along, sponsors the show, gives us some tips and things like that. And it's cool how your marketing folks, Charles, kind of pick out the best store manager that's most knowledgeable at the, about that particular topic. And you and I have gotten to speak a number of times. Um, and you are my go-to guy for fall lawn care tips and things. You have a good, you yes. have a good lawn. I know you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Pike uh, figured that out. <laughs> yes, that's right. So we're talking about, you know, fall being the best time to work on the lawn. It's a great time with the cooler temperatures to really make sure you're strengthening that up. And in my top three things to do this weekend, Charles, I did remind folks, though, please don't put grass seed down if you're doing fescue and the pre-emergence herbicide. Like, ah, don't do those two things together because the yeah, herbicide so. knows that, hey, a seed is a seed and I'm going to knock it back and not let it grow. So that'll be a waste of time and money, won't it? That's very important. Yeah, your pre-emergence <laughs> are going to last anywhere from three to four months, depending on the chemical formula that's in that bag. So, yeah, you can uh, just just stow that seed away and wait till uh you know, February, March, if you've already decided to put down your pre-emergent. Yeah, do not do them back to back. Well, let's talk about preventing weeds first. You know, so preventing weeds in that way, maybe killing the weeds that we've got. What do you recommend to get everything kind of in check so that it's manageable for us? I mean, we got we got two good things going for us. Any weeds that are up right now, if you if they're not bothering you too much and if you can wait another month or two, they're going to be gone with our cooler weather coming in. Uh, but more importantly, we want to prevent any of those cooler season weeds that are coming up very soon, probably within the next month or two. And that's why it is very important to get your pre-emergent down. I'm so adamant on this because um, killing or post-emergence, especially on some of your harder, tougher weeds, is, is very cumbersome. And the best way to get rid of weeds is prevent them yeah. from even starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, think about the post-emergence. Like you said, the sprays that we're using now on the weeds that we see, it takes a lot of time because you're spot spraying them. You're walking around with a sprayer. It's kind of backbreaking. You're having to bend over a little bit, treat each weed as you see it, you know, it, or dig them up if you, you know, prefer to do it that way. It's just uh, really, really tedious. So I know Bonide has some great product, um, product their whole line 
of, you know, weed preventers and things in y'all store, as well as the Pike label has some stuff too. Right, right. We carry, um, it's, it can get rather confusing, but we try to make it very simple with our, with our own brands and our color coded bags. Um, so we have our own brand, our own line of pre-emergers. And then yes, Bonai carries three or four other selections, but, um, all in all, most of our pre-emergents are going to have, we only carry three with the same active ingredient. So it's just, it's just the ingredients and certain pre-emergents are better at targeting or preventing certain weeds and more or some just broad spectrum. So definitely just recommend those broad spectrum types like our Pike brand or some of the bonide ones as well. And you can always talk to a Pike associate for help with this, but really the labels and the bag make it so easy because you've got pictures of kind of the weeds you're trying to go after there. Like, obviously, we're not going to go after dandelions right now. It's not the time, but crabgrass is a big winter weed. So that is one of those things that when you do a pre-emergence now, it is going to prevent, not 100%, but it's going to prevent some of the crabgrass. That's a headache for a lot of folks too. Um, And then the bonide weed beater complete will kill existing weeds. And, you know, it depends too, Charles. People may want to talk to you. Do I buy a spray? Do I do a granular? What's the difference? You know, so y'all will be able to set them straight. Oh, and we will. And we will. Sprays generally act a little faster than granulars do. Um, But then, you know, it's a... granulars are sometimes easier to apply and Mm -hmm. and safer to apply to. Yeah, I had a caller last week and, you know, I hadn't really thought about this, but she asked a great question. She knew she had her spreader and she wanted to get her pre-emergence herbicide out, but she had never really had to use the spreader, whether you're using it for the herbicide or you wash it out real well or using it to put down grass seed. But with the dial and making sure you read the bag and it tells you what number to put that dial at so that you get the distribution evenly and enough as you're walking behind that spreader. So like, even if you go to Pike Nursery and say, hey, I've got a spreader and I've never used it. Can you all kind of walk me through it? I bet you the people at Pike Nursery can tell whether it's a Scott's brand spreader or whoever, like kind of, you know, guide them a little bit on how to use that when you're applying these things widespread. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's your rate of walk. I mean, you could run and have it wide open <laughs> and get it spread adequately, but most people are, are being careful and walking beside it. But, uh, if you have your spreader, bring it in. Um, and if you don't have a spreader, we will rent spreaders for free. Set the dials for you before you oh, leave. cool. And, and you can bring them back once you're done. I did not know that. That's really cool. Huh. Who knew? And y'all do Christmas tree stands and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we provide as yeah. much surfaces and try to keep the, the, the guesswork down to a minimum. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. And with the spreader too, folks, when you're thinking about whether you're going to overseed for fescue or whether you're going to do the pre-emergence herbicide or whatever you're walking along in the spreader fertilizer, which we'll talk about in just a minute, um, making multiple passes. You know, you're going to need to go through those areas and in those lines at least a couple of times to make sure for good coverage. So fertilizer, Charles, we think about, you know, fertilizing things when they're in active growth. That is when it's going to be taken up by the plant, really help the plant grow. So what are we thinking about as far as fertilizing our lawns right now? As as far as fertilizing, it's only fescue. Um, put the fertilizers away for your Bermuda, Zoysia, if you have Centipede or St. Augustine. Those those grasses are going dormant, and their active growing period is, is pretty much done. While they're still green, they're not really active and putting putting off a lot of new growth. So you've probably noticed that your mowing frequencies have uh, have declined. Yeah. And just enjoy the grasses while they're green right now. And then, uh, but yeah, we don't want to encourage new growth going into the winter. So really. Um, 
from now and for about the every uh, every six to eight weeks, your your fescue is what is going to need to be fed. And when you're looking at lawn fertilizers too, you know you've got those three numbers, right? And you've got to think when you see those three numbers on the bag. Walter used to say up down and all around. So that first number is nitrogen up, meaning it's going to help something grow upwards. So maybe like a higher nitrogen for our fescue lawns, Charles? Your initial your initial one, I would definitely recommend. Now, if you are overseeding, um, you probably want to get that, that middle number higher, with, and that would be our seed starter fertilizer. It has enough nitrogen in it to encourage growth and encourage greening if you have an existing lawn. But mm-hmm. if you are overseeding, maybe dial back that first number and raise that second number up for that phosphorus. Yeah, so that's the down. So that's going to work on root establishment and all that. Great advice. Um, and talk about, y'all do have, um, you know, things for us trying to get a lawn up and going, right? If we're trying to change the grass type we have or just start all over, how can you help? Um, we really want to know what your light conditions are and basically what your what time you have. Fescue obviously is a high intense and um, very time consuming grass to take care of with the overseeding processes and the watering, mowing heights. So if you want to have a little bit of an easier grass, you know, a zoysia or Bermuda is going to be fine. And then we also want to talk about time windows. Uh, your zoysia and Bermudas are easily put down with sod. Um, Bermuda, you're still fine to sod. Zoysia, you're getting to the point where we're going to recommend probably waiting until spring here in another couple of weeks. Um, but why why we, can you do Bermuda now? Just because it's a little more tough? It's it's tougher and it's it's going to root in a little bit longer. Okay. Zoysia, if it's not rooted in and we get a sharp cold, um, it could zap that grass. And yeah. zoysia does take longer to root in. And there uh, there are definitely more opinions on this than just what I have. But our recommendation, our our installations team recommendation, is um, try to stop or try to get all your zoysia jobs done before the beginning of October. Oh, good. Okay. That's great advice. Well, so we'll come to Pike Nursery, talk to the Pike experts about all of these things. If we're a little confused, Charles, you've made it very easy. Thank you. Um, And are we going to see pumpkins in the store yet? Oh my goodness. That's one of my favorites. Um, We're going to see pumpkins. Our our pumpkins are soon to be arriving signs are up. Um, My store and most of our locations are slated for their first drop on Monday. Nice. Okay. So we will have those in, and right now we're just full of mums and and other colorful annuals that are going to get you all the way through the fall. Awesome. I mean, so many different colors and textures and shapes of pumpkins there. You know, you go to the grocery store and they've got just all orange pumpkins. Like, who cares? This is really interesting for fall decorating with all the different types of gourds you guys have. So thank you for pumpkin time, Charles. And also, um, a class today. Are you having that at your store? Is it at all locations? That is next weekend. Oh, it is. September 24th. Today is the 17th. That's right. So cool season vegetables. We have time to prepare. Thank you. You scared me there for a minute. We want Prepared. I'm trying to <laughs> fast no. forward through the month. I don't know. But yeah, September 24th, cool season vegetables. So that'll be a fun one. And as always, it's free, right? That's right. Yeah, you're like, no, my associates are not setting up for a class today, Ashley. <laughs> well, good. Folks can plan ahead. So uh, how can they follow Pike Nursery or kind of keep up with that and find the schedule themselves for the different classes yeah. and when pumpkins check, arrive? Check out check out pikenursery.com and check any of our class attendees' uh, 
notes or recommendations or pictures on our Instagram page or Facebook page. Um, we've had a really huge uh, uptick in our class sizes. Last week, I think we had 28 or 30. Oh, so the classes are really coming on now. And the information, just like our call today, is very timely. Um, it's the right time of the year to be talking about pre-emergence and grass seeds. And, and next week will be the right time to talk about planting your fall gardens, too. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. So you go through the class next Saturday. It's just 10 to 11. And you kind of sit through and listen to all the things you could be growing right now. And then you just take your little cart back to the greenhouse and pick up the plants that you just learned about and go home and plant them. And this week's like in the 90s. I'm not digging that. That's when I was going to do my planting, Charles. But I'm going to wait just because I don't want to be out 90 degree weather. So next weekend is not too late. A great time to start the cool season crops. That's right. You and I both. We got some time. Don't, <laughs> yes. don't be too impatient. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you so much for calling in early today. That's no problem at all, Asha. Thank you for having me on. All right. Have a great weekend, Charles. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. The knowledgeable experts at Pike Nursery coming along with some really good info for you. So he's at the Holcomb Bridge location, managers all over at the different 15 Atlanta area stores to help set you straight. When we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, and hopefully we can talk to Kathy about blackberry and raspberry bushes next on WSB. Green, Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, number one, reminding you to keep that lawn watered. Warm season grasses still need it until they go dormant. And if you're seeding a fescue lawn, make sure it consistently gets at least an inch of water per week so it doesn't die. Number two, installing woody ornamental plants and herbaceous perennials makes things just easier on you. And it's better for the environment because they shut down for the winter. The roots are still growing, but it's not demanding for water and for fertilizer. So just keep that in mind if you want something to set it and forget it. Number three, if you're planning to overseed that fescue lawn like we just talked about with Charles, we're coming up on the time to do that. But don't plan to do the pre-emergence herbicide, you know, to kill winter weeds and that fescue seed at the same time because they're going to counteract one another. I think I have just a minute here to jump out to the phones. And Kathy from Lilburn, hey, you've got a second to ask your question quickly. Good morning. Uh, oh, good morning. I'll be very quick. Sure. Um, I had a proliferation, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. of blackberries and raspberries this year. And they're just vines. They're not in a bush shape in a 12 by 12 garden, and they've really taken over. Have I waited too late to cut them back, or should they even be cut back? They're kind of new to me. You don't have to cut them back, but when you're trying to train them and put them up against a trellis or a fence or something like that, Uh a little bit of pruning probably is recommended. So after the fruiting season, remove the old canes that you can tell are in the process of dying. So that should have been done a little bit before now. Um, I would do some just selective pruning right now, especially removing the canes that you can just absolutely tell are dead. But what we don't want to do, and this is with most plants, guys, is if we prune now, the plant's going, okay, I want to put on new growth. But then when we get a cold snap in a couple of months, it's going to eat off that new growth because it's going to get too cold, right? So we don't want to really signal to the plant to put on new growth now. So Kathy, with that, maybe with blueberries and all those kinds of things, I would wait and do the pruning like late winter because that way when it starts to send the hormones for new growth, then that's going to be the time when spring comes and the temperatures are warming up. So do a little bit now if you have to, but you don't even have to. Um, And make sure, go to the University of Georgia Extension page, And go to publications and search and read a little bit more about them so you know training and fertilizer and things like that. Good luck to you. Thanks, everyone, for being a part of the show. Up next is the pregame show for the Georgia Bulldogs taking on the Carolina Gamecocks. Have a great day.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.